This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige and engineering first. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome back to the World's Best Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Fred Mills, and as always, I'm joined by fellow co-hosts, Luke Bly and Liam Marsh. Been a big week, guys. How you doing? Yeah, good, I'm mate. Not- oh. oh. <laughs> it's a good start. It's a good start. Go on, buddy. Go on, Liam. Go on, mate. Oh, mate, I was, I was just going to say, like I say every week, I'm good. I'm doing good, mate. How are you, Luke? Yes. Yes, I'm well, mate. Right. I'm well. Not not as good as Fred, who went on a beautiful holiday to Switzerland, mm. um, looking like a Bond villain, mate, in a Bond <laughs> lair, um, or Bond himself. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But you, um, we got some. We got some cheeky photos that I know. I know Liam's like gone, mate. I can tell he's desperate. He's desperate to bring it. Oh, mate. I, I just have one question. Well, I have two. Was it a prerequisite when you book the hotel that you have to be shirtless like 90% of the time? <laughs> and did you wear a shirt when you were checking into the hotel? <laughs> yes, Liam. As as is proven in many pictures, it was like minus six degrees. <laughs> <laughs> I, I took my shirt off in the pool because it was a swimming pool. So, you know, that's how it works. And no, it's not a prerequisite. So. <laughs> Mm, I don't mate, know. You're doing like snow angels with no, with just shorts on, mate. That was funny. <laughs> Do you know that that um, Instagram didn't like that because it thought it was a. Uh, well, it, it, it just didn't get served because it thought it was a uh, reckless Suggested. amateur activity. It's like you you're joking, be, really. Yeah, it's like you shouldn't be wrecking. I mean, fair enough. If you're listening to this, don't get soaking wet and go and roll in the snow. It's not a good idea. You probably catch pneumonia. But uh, I was doing it next to a very hot spa pool, so it was it was okay. I got straight back in. But yeah, the internet was like, no, this is irresponsible, Fred. Some, Stop. Someone reported you? No, no, just Instagram didn't serve it. And it said, why? Wow. So I was like, oh, there you go. Mm. Or did they report you? Some, you never yeah, know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some someone of, did. Some of those jealous guys pretty, are um, pretty suggestive, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which ones were suggestive? <laughs> I don't know. You uploaded like fifty. I can't. I can't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you could swim out. You could swim from yeah. the inside to the outside. That I, looked guys, amazing. This, this place was insane. So, like, I, I hadn't seen the missus much in 2022 slash at all. We hadn't really had a holiday together, uh, and I was feeling very bad about that. So, for Christmas, I got this trip to Switzerland, and. I mean, I sold a kidney and got this trip to Switzerland. Like, it is, it is ridiculously expensive. If anyone's listening thinking that I've somehow won the lottery or I'm rolling in cash, that is not the case. I cleared up my savings for this. 
Um, we did we did two nights in February off season during term time in the smallest room, and it still absolutely cleared me out. But it was absolutely incredible. I cannot put into words the it's like this hotel on the side of a mountain in Switzerland. There's this outdoor infinity spa pool. You've got the mountains, you've got the valley, you've got five star service. The food was incredible. Like, and I had my amazing wife with me as well. It was just. Yeah, I didn't know life could be that good. It was absolutely incredible. Wow. It was the best two days ever. Sorry to rub it in, but it was freaking awesome. <laughs> I said I said before the recording, maybe next time, because really what, what, what mattered was that you spent the time with Caroline, you know, and I think Switzerland is irrelevant. You could have spent it at Clacton. You could have gone down to Bournemouth, mate, and you still would have had a puck of time. Still would have been a thing of beauty. It's not where yeah. you are, it's who you're with. Yeah. So that's what you've learned here, mate. That's what you've yeah. learned. I was in San Diego. I was in a great place, but with Liam. So there you go. It was it was about where I was, not who I was with. <laughs> so, so there <laughs> you go. That was reverse. I d I don't know about the I don't I don't know. I don't know. I mean I, yeah, there's a big difference between between being with your partner in the Swiss Alps than being in you know <laughs> the Ibis and Birmingham. <laughs> I've actually stayed in the Ibis in Birmingham as well. We knew you had always Mr. Mr. Get the bus from JFK. We knew you'd stay in the Ibis in Birmingham. Yeah, mate. Kind of I, I, I was I actually I was tied up in the, the Swiss Ibis mountains. Everywhere. I was busy. <laughs> we can't all be Fred Mills, mate. Do you know what I mean? We can't always be Fred Mills. So, anything happened in your weeks, guys? Not really, mate. I've I've had my dad here. I took him to the airport this morning. There's um, yeah, it took him like seven hours to get back. There's massive floodings, uh, massive floods over there at the moment, which is which is pretty bad. Um, that's about it. I've just just been chilling. Yeah, same. <laughs> it's just like it's it's a tough time of year, isn't it? It's like I'm 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 looking forward to spring, summer, and maybe looking at booking a few trips, but also trying to be sensible. You know, I've got my place now and it's like, oh yeah, you can't just like throw money at whatever you want and do whatever you want. You have to be a little bit more sensible. So becoming an old man, mate, becoming an old man. I'm like you lot now. So cool. Ouch. <laughs> but I'm looking uh-huh. forward to our coffee date, Fred. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to our coffee date. Again, you're making these sound more good. than they actually are. You, you, people on Instagram are going to get very yeah. upset when you when you make it out. You've got to come to oh, know, a special date with me. Yeah. I anyway. know. I know they should anyway. be jealous. Liam's talking about New Zealand. The the City Rail Link we covered a few weeks ago, it's brought up several weeks in a row now. It's the CRL, as you probably remember. Um, they've put some incredible photos up of the... They're basically damming the tunnels for this coming storm. They've built these dams across the entrances to the tunnels to try and stop water going down. They've had to suspend work. Um, there's obviously been a huge amount of devastation in New Zealand as well, so it's been it's been really tragic over there to see. Because you know, we did that video just before the the first spate of bad weather happened, and uh, to see to, to know much more about that area now, and to see the impact of what's been going on there has been uh, been really sad. But yeah, it's good to see and amazing to see the engineers in that project steering through natural disasters during the construction period. It's uh, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So coming up this week, guys, we have got Tokyo's earthquake-resistant super-tall skyscraper, a new video which came out on the B1M back on Wednesday. Uh, and then a very a, a bumper, also in the news section, we've got China's new MAD-designed airport, which is absolutely stunning. 
Wuhan's National Cybersecurity Center, Birmingham's $1.9 billion new district. Really excited that we're going to be covering Birmingham. And a Zaha Deed office tower in Villainous, which looks absolutely incredible. As ever, we're going to sprinkle the whole thing over and generally enhance it with your comments from the week. Let's go. So first of this week, we are looking at Tokyo's earthquake-resistant super-tall skyscraper, a video that came out on B1M on Wednesday. Now, we've been producing this for a couple of months. It's been in the in the system in production for a couple of months, uh, long before the terrible earthquakes in Turkey and Syria occurred. Now, obviously, we've all seen this across the news. There's uh, over 40,000 people have been killed, and the UN thinks that number could more than double. There's been a lot of stuff coming out in the news around building construction. There's allegations flying around that building construction was to blame. Uh, and obviously, there's investigations going on about that. Um, Turkey have issued over 113 arrest warrants, or at last count, it was 113 arrest warrants to Turkish contractors. So there's a very uh, real emerging story on the ground here. I mean, anyone that's seen the picture on the news will see how uh, absolutely horrific this this has been. We have uh, re-edited and recut some of this week's video to reflect that. We've dedicated it to everyone affected. Uh, we're also calling out two links for um, so people can donate to to the immediate emergency relief fund. There's directrelief.org, which is mobilizing medical aid, and also careinternational.org.uk, which is working to provide food and water, both to people working on the rescue operation and those uh, affected by uh, the well, the terrible devastation that's, that's ensued afterwards. Those links, again, that is directrelief.org. You can don- donate any amount you want and careinternational.org.uk. In this context, we're going to talk about this week's video, um, obviously, much more carefully and respectfully. Um, but really, I think this, this kind of underlines the importance of seismic engineering in building construction. This is something people take for granted all around the world every day. And it kind of underlines just how important a job construction teams and engineers do, at least from my perspective anyway. Would you guys guys agree with that? Definitely, mate. It's vital. You know, it can literally save thousands and thousands and maybe even millions of people's lives, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's vital by, you know, by definition. So swinging it over to Tokyo, in case you didn't know, Tokyo is the world's largest city, home to 37 million people, which I find absolutely astonishing. London's like eight or nine million now. So this is this is absolutely huge. Um, but its skyscrapers aren't built very tall because of the challenge of building them. Basically, Tokyo sits in the Pacific Ring of Fire, which is uh, an area known for high seismic activity. Basically, it runs around the edge of the Pacific Ocean. It's where a number of tectonic plates meet. And you've got all kinds of volcanoes, seismic activity happening. Tokyo sits right on all that. Much of the seismic activity in Japan goes unnoticed, but they do have some big quakes. Uh, last big one was in 2011. You probably remember that magnitude 9 earthquake that hit. That resulted in tsunamis and also the Fukushima nuclear disaster. So this country knows all about the devastation that can come from earthquakes and has approached building construction with that in mind. Um, it's in all that context that this new building is now emerging. So for the first time ever, Tokyo is building its first super tall skyscraper. It's going to be the tallest skyscraper ever built in Japan. 
It's called the Main Tower. We'll come back to naming in a minute. Not not the best name. They've gone for, what should we call this? It's in the middle. It's big. Ah, oh, the Main Tower. That rises to 330 metres, and it's all in this new 8.1 hectare Deuteronomon Azabudi district, which was one of our top 10 projects completing in 2023. So here we are, coming, coming back to one of the, one of the hits. Um, rising next to it are the East Tower and the West Tower. Again, not great names, but uh, but there we go. Some, someone needs to brainstorm the naming. All three of those are being built to be earthquake-resistant uh, and a place where up to 3,600 residents can flee to in the event of a natural disaster. What do you guys make of this big, fat, impressive new skyscraper in an earthquake zone? I think um, for, for me, mate, this topic is what I truly find interesting about construction engineering. I think we were talking about that in one of the earlier podcasts. <clears throat> and I've come to realize topics like this just I find quite remarkable that you know, human beings can engineer and build massive structures like this to counter natural um, disasters, um, and, and they can do it reasonably well. Um, yeah, I think just the details of how they do it, how they, how they, we can go into the details of the video soon um, to counter it. I just, I just find incredible. Yeah, likewise, mate. Likewise. And we've already said that, you know, engineering and construction really uh, is responsible for the what pretty much the world's population every single day, every single day. So this stuff is really, really important for everyone, but particularly in a place like Japan. And um, in the video, it highlights that there's basically like many, many earthquakes in Japan, little, sometimes big. Uh, every, every year and so the, the the buildings need to be able to withstand any sort of uh, activity like that so it's really 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 impressive and i think when you just do add on the fact that this is the largest city on the planet what was it 37 million people in one place um japan's somewhere that i really want to go to mate it is somewhere that I'm desperate to go to. Going to try and go next year, so like 2024. That's kind of our plan. Um, I've never been to Japan or East Asia. Well, I've been to Southeast Asia, but not East Asia. Um, and it's just it's just the fact that everything is so organized. The culture revolves around respect, and there is this. I I I don't I don't know. There seems to be this, this community feeling around what's right. And the fact that even what what did you guys just say? Um, in case there's an emergency, like three thousand six hundred residents can just go flee into these towers. Yeah, usually you're running away from a tower like that in an emergency, in a natural disaster, right? And yeah, it's it's just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. But it maybe goes to show how there's not been skyscrapers at this height. Yet, despite the fact it is the largest city on the planet by far. So, yeah, there's lo- loads of points here. Loads of points. Do you think um, there would be... How should I ask this? I- I've been thinking, what do you think the general uptake from the community and willingness to-, to work and sleep in these towers, knowing that there's you know massive earthquakes in this region, do you think there's like hesitation from some people? I think there probably would be, but because there's been such a culture of not building 
very tall buildings in Tokyo for such a long mm-hmm. time. But I think it shows you how much this this society understands and is familiar with the devastation that earthquakes can cause. The lengths they've gone to in this tower with engineering and with making it, you know, there's this as Luke said, making it this venue that people can can flee to in the event of an emergency because they expect it to still be standing. They expect it to have uh, power and water still there. They, they've engineered systems to maintain and keep running even in the event of an earthquake disaster. There's a 72-hour power generation system to support people in the case that power goes out. Um, yeah, the whole thing, is this isn't just a skyscraper that you've picked up from some other city and dropped down in Tokyo. It really is a Tokyo skyscraper that's been built almost with all of this in mind it's it's almost an earthquake resistant skyscraper first office tower second you know yeah it's marvelous mate it's marvelous for all the right reasons but obviously it's 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 been built in mind of things that are really horrible and are just really sobering and i think you know living in somewhere like london or you know parts of europe we're not always privy to that, or even parts of America, wherever. There are lots of parts of the world where there aren't as many natural disasters as there are elsewhere. And um, I think you hit the nail on the head, Fred, with saying, like, it's it's just it's inbuilt into the Japanese culture to be aware of this and, again, have like a help, almost like a healthy respect for nature and for what it can do, what terror it can create. And if only... Um, other places learnt from that and really put, you know, engineering first. Yes, it's probably going to cost a bit more, but it's it's necessary. It's like there's no other choice. And it seems here, you know, these guys who are building the main tower or, or you know, and it's different names, they truly understand that. And that's that's reassuring. It's terrifying. The, the, the pictures on the news, obviously, at the moment from Turkey and Syria are, absolutely horrific they're they're difficult to look at um i i've been in in an earthquake a very small earthquake but it was it was absolutely terrifying it was people listening might remember the the melton mowbray earthquake up near loughborough in uh in 2007 2008 my final year of uni i was asleep in bed four stories up and it was i think i can't remember what it was it was like a four or five it wasn't very big but it was all over the news the next day. But literally in the middle of the night, I felt like someone was on the end of my bed, picking my bed up and then dropping it again, picking it up and dropping it again. And it, I sat up awake and then everything stopped by the time I'd woken up and it was very confusing. But the next day, everyone was talking about it, like buildings shook. Uh, it was it was a really, really scary phenomenon. I cannot begin to imagine what some of these bigger earthquakes uh, and, and disasters must have must have been like. Um, wow. we, had a, we had one housemate who came into breakfast the next morning and went, cool, did you hear the, the bass was loud last night when it from the neighbours? The news is on and we're like, um, it was an earthquake, mate. <laughs> did you did you hear a um, loud bang, Fred, before the start? Because growing up on the East Coast of New Zealand, we, we grew up with know, heaps of earthquakes. And I remember when we'd have the, the bigger ones, I, I remember distinctly hearing a loud bang and then the whole house was shaking, like things falling off the walls and things like that. And then you'd go stand under a doorway. Did you oh. hear that? No. That sounds terrifying. So it was a regular occurrence when you were growing up? I mean, it was pretty common. I mean, pretty common. I mean, you probably have one every couple of years or like small ones each year, I think. Um, right. But you'd, you'd be in like school and you'd have one and you'd all have to jump onto your desk 
Yeah, so it's it's quite common, I suppose. I was in California um, in 2016, and there was a there was a little earthquake in Southern California, and but I slept through it because I'm a I'm a really really <laughs> really deep sleeper. So and and I remember like our friends saying, "Oh, are you guys okay? Did you freak out yesterday? Did you get those in England?" I was like, "What are you?" I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> like there was an earthquake last night. Yeah, but I don't. I don't want. I don't want to take away from the seriousness of it. But yeah, is it's 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 almost like incredible how um, some like communities or countries or like regions are almost like used to it. You know, it almost becomes like everyday life. They even design their house in a way that like you know knives are stored in a specific place, and I just find it. it it's it's so alien to us isn't it really where we are fred right it doesn't really happen that often um yeah. Yeah. absolutely yeah i think we, we've we've covered uh building seismic engineering in in many countries before you know we did a video in, in mexico um not not too long ago a couple of months back uh we've done one in L- in la you know these are cities that are very familiar with seismic engineering and earthquakes um just yeah. a bit of kind of engineering background for you. Basically, all skyscrapers are designed to cope with vertical loads, which is basically their their own weight and the weight of uh, the occupants or whatever may be going in them. That's, yeah, vertical load going down into the ground, into the foundations. They're also designed to deal with lateral loads, which is loads coming at them from the side, which is normally wind loads, sometimes, you know, rain, storms, but basically wind loads. That all varies, obviously, with location, height of the building, how big the building is, what it's being used for, what the soil conditions are, um, what other buildings are around it. Yeah, that, that will all have a factor on vertical load design and, and lateral load design. But earthquake-resistant skyscrapers have to deal with this additional kind of cyclic lateral load, which is one that moves repeatedly back and forth, i.e. an earthquake. It's very different to uh, a, a wind load or a lateral load because uh, it's coming at it in a very different way. So the and basically the engineer in the video talks about this about how the buildings are designed to absorb and dissipate that energy and remain standing throughout an earthquake and afterwards. Um, so the main tower in Tokyo, Japan, uses basically a load of high strength steel and concrete components throughout, and vibration control devices that all help to reduce shaking. We mentioned it in the video, but there's an active mass damper at the top of the building which helps reduce swaying, kind of like a tuned mass damper you get in skyscrapers. It's designed to offset the swaying of the building and help things settle down again. It's an enormous swinging weight. So there's one of our videos, I forget which one it is now, but we've got footage of the one at the top of 432 Park Avenue in New York, and it's this enormous steel, like, I don't know iron block swinging back and forth. It's incredible. There's a famous one in uh, Taiwan as well. So, have you guys come across those? Mm. Yeah, I've seen I've seen those uh, once or twice, um, just as a bit of a skyscraper geek. But it bl- it blows my mind that these things are effectively like anchors, aren't they? You know, they keep they keep the building stable. So this huge weight while a building just moves left or right it will just you know keep it more central and just keep it ground it like it just it's all it seems like something that's quite simple and quite straightforward but is evidently very effective i'm 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 oversimplifying it i know but i I'm, yeah, no, but I'm, it is, yeah. i wouldn't be surprised hey sorry no but yeah, you're right it is it is yeah it is it is impressive yeah yeah definitely mate 
definitely. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if like most of the general public had no idea about these sort of things and would, have th- and would think like you'd be pulling their leg. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, there's a huge weight at the top of that that keeps it stable. They'd be like, nah. <laughs> now, have, you, have you ever told people that skyscrapers actually move? Oh, yeah, it freaks like, them out. Have you told yeah. someone that? <laughs> yeah, they go, <laughs> yeah. what? And you're like, yeah, yeah, no, it sways slightly. Like the building actually, they're like, no. They're like, what? <laughs> they're like, no. Yeah, same thing with roller coasters, isn't it? Roller coasters move. And some people get freaked out when roller coasters like wobble. And um, there is a saying, like, if it doesn't, if it doesn't like wobble, it's not stable or something like that. That's not that's not the saying, but let me find it. One of my friends texted yeah, me. Yeah, maybe go and let that one up because it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> sounds you like I'm getting the wrong topic. Yeah, you had to be there for that one. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But it's, uh, what I find is amazing, right? And this underlines the power of construction is you do not hear much about uh thankfully building collapses, building disasters, obviously outside of major news events like we're seeing this week. Because so many buildings, thousands, millions of buildings around the world are well-engineered, stand-up, solid, and you never hear about any problems. Only when something goes wrong that you hear about it. And I think that shows you know, the ratio of successful buildings to failed buildings is is so impressive. It underlines, for me anyway, what a great job engineers and construction teams around the world do every single day. And it's really sad that what's happened in Turkey and Syria has happened and i Mm. think it's right that it's thoroughly investigated people are held to account if corners have been cut if building regs haven't been followed if building regs weren't strong enough then you know they need to learn from that and improve and hold people to account none of that brings back people who've lost their lives in that disaster obviously if if anything comes out of it you'd hope it's better understanding of seismic engineering not just in those regions but but around the world during the um construction process fred do they have any steps that covers it during the construction process so the skyscraper is half built is there any practices put into place so if an earthquake comes it's not gonna just collapse yeah so the way they build them is they they will engineer a lot of these different features and design features so that they're there at the beginning they're there in the foundation phase they're there when you're halfway up the skyscraper um, normally when a skyscraper topped out the active mass damper or tuned mass damper will be installed at that point so before you've done the rest of the cladding or anything you have to have that tuned mass damper up there in order to keep it steady and construction teams have whole evacuation plans uh, earthquake evacuation plans obviously the the challenging thing with that is that materials plants equipment people move and change almost hourly on a construction site so making sure that you've got a clear plan about where things can be stored safely and not stored. So, you know, huge, huge piles of steel, huge piles of uh, equipment, doors, bits of plant, lift installations, where you can keep things on the basis that an earthquake might strike at any moment is, is yeah, it's, it's a whole other part that goes into these these buildings during construction in these areas mm-hmm. is what, what you're doing as you're building them, you know. If it don't shake, it will break. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> There's the T-shirt. Told you I'd get it back. <laughs> yeah. Get that on the sense. BIM store, mate. Get that on the BIM store, Fred. Go on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a motto for my uh, my next little dance floor excursion. If we don't shake, it's going to break. <laughs> I'll bear that in mind next wedding I'm at. <laughs> um, anyway, back back to Tokyo. There, we've talked about the Chuma stand, but a few other features that the main tower has 
Uh, you've got oil dampers, which are mechanical devices that operate basically by using the fluid resistance of oil to absorb vibrations. They they move back and forth and absorb vibrations. There's viscous wall dampers, which uh, use the resistance of material with high viscosity. That's basically uh, yeah, how much liquid or gas can resist changes to shape uh, to absorb any movement. And then you've got unbonded brace dampers, which are pieces of flexible steel that absorb some of the energy from an earthquake. So, and again, we've, we've touched on this very lightly. There's all kinds of systems from foundation level right through the building, all kinds of uh, different materials, uh, steel design, superstructure design that go into keeping a building, well, helping it maintain, helping it control vibration and shaking, bringing it back under control mm. and remain standing after an earthquake. It's, uh, yeah, incredible, incredible feats of engineering. Let us know what you think about this one, guys. Obviously, we've had a good old chat about the Tokyo earthquake-resistant new super-tall skyscraper called the Main Tower. We hope it's going to get a better name than that at some point. It's called the Main Tower. Uh, I just want to re-shout out those two links you mentioned as well. So, directrelief.org is mobilizing medical aid to people affected by the Turkey-Syria earthquake. And also, careinternational.org.uk are working to provide food and water aid. There are also many other charities and organizations around the world in your region who are helping provide aid to the Turkey-Syria earthquake. So do have a Google, have a look at that. And if you can make a donation, it would be much appreciated. As always, let us know what you think about all this. Get your comments coming in. Podcast at the B1M.com. Now, we've got a lovely little bumper also in the news section this week with four exciting stories. I mean, there's more than that, actually. There's been more, but I kind of tailored it down to four because we're going to put some put some into next week as well. Lots happening in the world of building construction. We're kicking it off with China's new MAD Architects, MAD Architects Designed Airport, which was announced earlier last week. This is absolutely beautiful. It's gorgeous, in my view. Feather-inspired, set to be constructed in Changchun, uh, which is new. What was it, a new Terminal Three at their international airport? It's going to have 54 gates, and it's going to be able to handle 22 million passengers, million, uh, 22 million passengers a year when it first opens. I really like this. Mad Architects rarely get it wrong. They're another one of my favourites. What do you guys reckon? I think it's stunning, mate. I think it's absolutely stunning. It's gorgeous. It's cheeky. Everything about it is, I think, high-caliber architecture. Um, And I like that it's kind of a pet peeve of mine when architecture and particularly airports that are very much ground level, right, or thereabouts, yeah, um, they look good from the outside but not the inside. Yeah, it's like, yeah, but no one looks at it from, <laughs> you, you get a glance of it while you're landing and that's about it. Um, but seeing seeing how good and well designed this terminal looks from the interior, oh, mate, it is, it is so impressive. So impressive. Yeah, I'm I'm well impressed, mate. Well impressed. What do you, you reckon, Liam? Yeah, big fan, mate. Um the aerial shot, imagine just flying over at night and that's lit over. I mean, you probably wouldn't fly over oh. it and it's all lit up. I think it'll look stunning. Um, yeah, yeah, and I love the feather light designs internally, the way the light mm. comes through. Yeah, I think it looks great. Really nice, clean, clean airport. Some might say it looks mad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looks mad good. <laughs> Lots of nice yeah. comments on this one. People saying anything those architects do comes out absolutely superb. Um, China builds amazing new airports all the time. Well, we'll, well, 
we are carrying on debating flight paths for second runways. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, people comment on the plane renders from some plane geeks. Big up my aviation geeks, my av geek friends, uh, bringing up the fact that the plane renders just don't make any sense. They don't make any sense. They're all the wrong airlines, wrong shape. Someone's just, you know, chosen from some stock library and popped them on there. Um, someone else saying, I love they sprinkled it with trees and bushes at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yeah, that is, it's just the 2020s, mate. It's the 2020s. <laughs> There's trees and bush everywhere. Now, staying in China, but swinging it over to Wuhan, we have got a new cybersecurity center designed by ADUS that's been announced. Now, it's Chinese, it's cybersecurity, it's in Wuhan. There's a lot of ingredients there that make for an interesting comment section, which we're going we're gonna to pick out some of them for you. <laughs> you can go and have a look at those in time. Um, basically, beautiful new cybersecurity campus. It's been designed with sweeping lines across it that are intended to mimic information flow. Um, currently under construction, due to complete in 2024, you've got this kind of amalgamated layout of commercial, office, apartment, innovation hubs, all in a very futuristically designed uh, thing. The reason I wanted to put this one up here is because, A, it looks cool, and it's quite different to have a cybersecurity centre announced and revealed publicly uh, and built in China like this. So that's, that's pretty interesting. ADUS are a great firm, always do a good job of making things uh, look nice, which they've, again, they've done here. But the renders, guys, we've got to talk about the renders. I mean, we've got Disney characters, we've got drones, we've got trees. Go on, Liam. <laughs> Go. Oh, mate. Is it, is it just, are we just thinking it looks futuristic because they've got robots, they've got the Michelin Man in the second slide, they've got <laughs> drones, they've got... All these things in the render that I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, cool. It's all added like CGI. And then I'm like, I look at the third slide. I'm like, oh, yeah. This kind of looks like a bit of an office block to me. <laughs> yeah. Looks like Milton Keynes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right, in it? It's all right. It's nothing to shout about. It's it's You've it's not a... memorable. Like, I won't be. Huh? I suppose it's even got posters up saying 5G on them, which, I mean, that's another little. Uh... <laughs> red rag to an internet troll ball isn't it i mean <laughs> oh oh yeah that's true that's true yeah the comment section is pretty it, it is pretty funny um yeah the whole thing is a little bit odd just announcing yeah we're building a cybersecurity den and this is where it's gonna be this is what it's about we're gonna have the robot from big hero six oh. there <laughs> the comments are wild i'm sorry the comments are so wild <laughs> If you're not looking at these renders, guys, uh, in the second one up on our Instagram, you've got sunshine, drones, uh, trees, and we've also got characters. We've got, I think we've got Big Hero Six from Pixar or from a Disney movie. Yeah, uh, and then we've yeah. got some characters from Wall-E, Eva from Wall-E. Ah, uh, I was I was wondering where mm. they were from. They're from Wall-E, are they? Okay, one is Big Hero Six. A film okay. I don't actually rate. I don't rate that one as much. Sorry, sorry, oh, Disney. I like that um, one actually. I thought you might, Luke. I thought you might have a different view to me. Why? And yeah, Wally, which again was a bit kind of because you're because you're a, you're a more astute film buff than me. You're you're higher brow. <laughs> Pixar do some good stuff, mate. Pixar do they some do. good stuff. Co-founded by George Lucas. I love you know. Oh, uh, there we go. You know that? There we go. There you go. Let's get that in. I knew it was George, coming. Papa George. Papa you George. Mate George. <laughs> Papa George. <laughs> 
Ja, comments on oh crazy. Are we reading any of them out or are we just are we avoid I mean, are we avoiding <laughs> I'm not sure we I know where to begin. I'm not sure I know where to begin. I'm trying to scan through and read some that are suitable for the podcast. I mean uh what are Disney characters doing in the second slide? There we go. There's a question I can read out. Um the skies are too clear. Wuhan is not normally that sunny. Fair enough. There's there's one comment that said um looks like West 135th Street and Amsterdam Ave in NYC. Well, oh, specific, really isn't it? Yeah. Can't really see the results. Someone else saying it's giving them uh, giving them Tron vibes, and I, I 100% it's got a Tron feel to it. That I think it's in Disneyland Shanghai. They've got this sort of Tron section. Looks a lot like that. I think that's Definitely. giving it too much credit. That's oh. giving it too much credit. I do. I don't think it's that good. Well, yeah, whatever. Coming out of China for a bit, we're going to swing back over to the old United Kingdom and to Birmingham, which we have not covered for a while on the B1M outside of any HS2 chat. Uh, but there's been a £1.9 billion new district proposed. This is led by Birmingham City Council in partnership with Lend-Lease. Very colourful new Smithfield development could create over 3,000 new homes, 120,000 square metres of office and retail space across this 17 hectare site in the middle of the city called Smithfield, funnily enough. Um, this is exciting. It's exciting for Birmingham. It's a big deal for Birmingham. If approval's granted, mm. there's going to be a new market space, there's going to be a festival square for public events. We've got all kinds of nice outdoor fountains. We've got trees in the renders. We've got sunshine in Birmingham. Uh, we've got lovely, lovely uh, heritage restoration going on. I think like, this is great. This is exciting. It's a nice regeneration for Birmingham. I I just I don't get that excited about it. It just looks a little bit average. Mm. I don't know, guys. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, Fred. I, it, it lacks a bit of character for me. It just kind of looks... A little bit basic, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the city centre. It's the city centre, and you're not really building anything that looks city centre-ish. You know, like if this were proposed for somewhere in East London, I'd be like, oh yeah, now this is all right. But for central London, you would you would go, no, this isn't this isn't to a good enough calibre. And I'd probably say the same if it were being built in Manchester. I'd say the same if it were being built in in any like UK city. I like the nods to the the industrial history of Birmingham. You know the warehousey looks to a lot of the a lot of the buildings, which is really commonplace in a lot of the UK. Um, it's kind of become a British vernacular of recent years, and I like it. I think I think it works. However. This is on the doorstep to the bull ring. This is on the doorstep to, you know, Birmingham's iconic city centre, iconic buildings. And I think it's okay. It's okay. And, you know, I just don't think it's, it's, it's ambitious enough. And I can't help but look at a few of the renders and think, mate, that is, that is going to get value engineered to death. It's going to get value engineered to death and it's not going to look good when it's actually constructed. Maybe I'm being a bit negative, but you know, you know, Birmingham is like my second home. We're up there a lot, seeing family. And Birmingham as a city, I think, just gets done over a lot. It gets done over a lot by development and 
budget stuff, local council stuff. There's always drama. There's always things going wrong. And I don't know, man. I don't know. It is quite. It's, good. it's quite fitting and considerate to the existing landscape. You know, there's there's some heritage buildings that are being retained and kind of they look gentrified. We'll see that. We'll see how that comes out. But it is quite fitting with Birmingham. They haven't gone and dropped down a load of Hudson Yards type skyscrapers and crammed on a load of office space and whatever. It is. It does feel like it fits with the existing community, at least through the renders. As much as that can, as much as you can get that through a render. I do like the new yeah. kind of festival square, the new public square. That looks like you know there's there's a genuine big open public space being built. That's good, right? True. Should say around 600 homes, uh, leisure, office, and retail space are being built in phase one, but the whole thing isn't going to be finished until the early 2030s. So it's a it's a good decade long regeneration project here. Mm. I think <laughs> you, you, if you you could even compare that to. Um, Elephant Park in London, which was a which is a land lease um, project, and Elephant Park looks a lot better, in my opinion. I would agree. I yeah. would c- completely agree. <laughs> when I I remember driving through Elephant Park years ago, you know, I was doing like an early morning run to New Covent Garden Market to get some flowers. It's a really long story, but I remember going <laughs> via Elephant Park. <laughs> It's <laughs> random, mate. Okay. I, know. I know, mate. Um, we're we going to need that story, on. Luke. We're going to need that story yeah, at some I, point, mate. <laughs> one day, mate. One day, mate. One day. Um, oh, mate. It, 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 but it, it looks really polished and it looks London. It looks like there's a quality finish to it. And um, mm. and you're right, Fred. The, 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 the architecture, the architectural nods, it's all very UK. But Elephant Park has, is kind of coming to the end of its phases now. You know, it's kind of been built. This is being completed in 2030. You know, styles and architecture and vernacular evolves. It changes, doesn't it? And this is very much a 2020s design or maybe even late 2010s design being proposed for 20 years later in Birmingham. Do you know what I mean? By that time, will it just look already a little bit outdated? Um I don't know. I don't know. I I love the idea. I love the idea. I love the neon signs. That would be really cool if they actually do them. They they are a little bit random, but the, it, it could really work. I love the green building. There's the green like warehousey looking. Me too. Yeah, that's that beautiful. Looks del- that's delicious. That's the best thing there. I'm I'm surprised they're not kind of showcasing that more. Um, I love the pub on the corner as well that's green as well <laughs> the colors gotta love a pub but everything else looks like it could be built in uh like peckham do you know what i mean mm. or like south like lewisham or something and and i don't mean that in a negative way i'm just saying it doesn't look like a city center caliber project mm-hmm. yeah it lacks like an identity i think yeah that's that's the word mm. i'd agree feels a bit yeah, generic on, yeah Let's see how it goes. I mean, Lendlease have got a good reputation for this. Uh, Birmingham City Council, I think, have got the city's best interests at heart. Also, some really yeah. good, uh, some really good members of the project team here. You've got DRMM Architects. You've got James Cornerfield Operations, which was a landscape firm who did New York City's uh, High Line, the elevated High Line Park. So, I think 
yeah, there's there's some good people on the team. Let's see how it pans out. Lendlease, there's been you know a bit of controversy around Elephant Park and how that was built and where people in council houses were moved or displaced to. Uh, right. I would hope they've learned from that. This is an existing blank kind of more or less derelict site. So I hope that again with some of the architects involved, the proper urban regeneration adding value to the urban fabric thing comes through but uh yeah it's said early days remains to be seen where that goes last news item we've got some zaha deed office towers for you in villainous we're going to drop it in because it's zaha you're welcome they look incredible i say towers they aren't really that big they are eight and nine stories respectively rising from a classic classic mixed-use podium everything rises from a mixed-use podium these days uh but they come up out of a lovely publicly accessible mixed-use podium have a little sky bridge in between them they're going to be office towers but you've got public space at the bottom you've got trees on buildings you've got roof gardens and at the very top you've got two public pools some saunas steam rooms and sun decks that look out over the historic old town i i like this it's not it's not like slam dunk zaha it's not like classic Mm -hmm. zaha deed but it is a nice development what do you guys reckon I like it. I, I like. I love the little. Is that a little sky bridge linking them in the middle there? Sure is. Sure is. Yeah, I like that. It's beautiful. I um. I love the pool. I could imagine Fred sitting there taking a couple of cheeky little <laughs> topless selfies. <laughs> I don't think anything's ever going to top that pool. Yeah, mate. I've yes. I don't think anything's ever going to top that pool I was in last week. So I look at that now, and I'm like, oh yeah, but where's the mountain view? <laughs> I mean, where's the <laughs> where's, where's the backdrop? <laughs> it's Mate, interesting. Uh, I know we have we have a laugh look. and joke about renders, but this one, it's mm. interesting when they do pool renders, isn't it? You've got all kinds of people doing all sorts of things. Yeah, some funny swimming costumes going on there. There's a bloke on <laughs> in that last render, bloke on the uh, bloke on the far right. Better buy him a gym membership. Goodness me! What? It? Well, there's a gym upstairs, mate. Oh, there is, is a gym, gym upstairs. upstairs. Looking out onto the pool, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to get up there. Fred, mate. <laughs> he needs to get up there, does he? <laughs> Everyone compared to you, mate, needs to hit the gym. Flame and oh, egg. Give us a chance, will you? Give us a chance. You're being too generous, Luke. Shush. You're being far too generous. Um it's not, not true. I think this is I think this is a tasty looking development. It's but it's 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 good. It's not it's not, you know, wonderful. Um but I think I think in person I think it'll actually look better. It's one of those that I think the render looks great, but when you see it in person, I think that's actually the case of a lot of Zaha um, buildings. When you see them in person, you know you're like, oh wow, yeah, it's not just ninety degrees everywhere. Although this is leaning more toward that. And I, I think I said this a few weeks ago, didn't I? That more modern Zaha or recent modern um, Zaha developments are a bit more square and rectangular at times which is something that obviously Zaha wasn't always a fan of but um I like it I like it it's good I think it's pretty pretty good for Lithuania I think there's not a lot from I I visited it once a few years ago I it's a really cool modern looking building I think right I think it would fit well within the within the city because it's a very old city isn't it it's a very old city right is that where you went liam yeah yeah 
Yeah. I only went, I went for a quick like two day trip, little getaway from London right. when, I was, right. when I was younger. But um, yeah, I think that's amazing there. I think it'd be great for the locals as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zaha Hadid is also definitely. redesigning the the new train station. There's this incredible new train station hub that they're redesigning in the city. That is classic Zaha Hadid. It's absolutely incredible. So you, this city's now got two big Zaha products uh, under development right now. Um, so yeah, it's good. Maybe that will help make it a bit more, you know, put it on the map a bit more. It's certainly with modern architecture. It's historic architecture. It's stunning. But yeah, hopefully it will mm. help her uh, you know, mm. give it a bit of a boost. Uh, a chap called Anton in the comments saying, it's so unexpected to see a fancy project for the Baltic States here. Congratulations, Vilnius, which is good. Uh, lots of other hearts, love heart emojis, lots of clapping, lots of fire. You guys like the emojis sometimes, so it doesn't make for a great <laughs> comment section on the podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the emojis. <laughs> What what emoji would you give this guy? If you could only respond in emojis, what would you give it? Thumbs up. Uh, thumbs Ooh. up. <laughs> Not fire. Just Probably thumbs like up. The, maybe the robot or something, because it looks a oh. bit like a robot. Robot followed by a hundred. Underline, underline. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go for the little uh, the little double double high five thing. What is that called? It's either double high five or preach. Yeah, I always just like you know. I use that one a lot. I use that one a lot. It's like, yay! We should we should compare most used emojis. That'd be funny. Yeah, slash boring. (laughs) Uh, Guys, we've had a bumper. Also in the news section, let us know what you thought about all these projects. So to recap, we did China's new mad designed airport, which looks mad, very cool, very fancy, bad airplane renders. We did Wuhan's National Cybersecurity Center, which was interesting, featured Disney characters. Then we swung it back to Birmingham and did a £1.9 billion new average-looking district over there uh, and finished it all off with Zaha Hadid's office designs. Sorry, Zaha Hadid's designed office towers in Vilnius, Lithuania, which looked very, very exciting. Uh, we want your feedback and comments on all this. Let us know what you think of them. Get your emails coming in, podcast at the b1m.com. Now, talking of emails coming in and reviews, we're going to slide over to the DMs. I'm not sure if we've got anything this week, Luke. Have you got anything for us in the old uh, in the old mailbag? We, yeah, we've got a few, mate. Um, we heard from him like weeks ago, but Brandon De Bruyne said, uh, congratulations on the 30 episodes of the B1M podcast. Absolutely loving the content. I'll be here when you guys hit 100, which is Aww. nice, isn't it? So cheers, Brandon, mate. Cheers, Optimistic. Um, yeah, we've got a few others. Uh, sw- did we do Swanky Lee? Did we do Swanky Lee? I don't think we did. <laughs> I, I don't think sure we I'd remember that Lee one. From- <laughs> Swanky Lee. Swanky Lee from Canada. He left us an Apple Podcast review that says, I was extremely pleased to learn about this podcast as I've been an avid consumer of B1M YouTube content for years. Unfortunately for my wife, this means that she'll get to listen to me describe in further detail about all the exciting infrastructure architecture projects around the world. Wait for it. Playful banter amongst friends who truly love what they do. Genuine debates, add context to the videos, instant subscribe. Thanks for your work, gents. Yeah, and that is from Swanky League from Canada. So cheers, mate. Appreciate that. That's a nice way to end the show, isn't it? What is with people sticking uh, different adjectives in front of banter? We've got playful banter, witty banter, iconic banter. 
Right. I feel like it's Who? condescending, if anything. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? It's like I don't really mean it. <laughs> yeah. Who said iconic? I feel like it's Luke it was just changing that- his sentences, words every week. <laughs> <laughs> See through you, mate. He's got the sorrows. You. <laughs> ah, damn! I'm running out of words. Yeah, I'm like thesaurus.com. <laughs> Insightful banter. Eclectic banter. <laughs> Diverse banter. Yeah. Diverse banter. <laughs> Engaging banter. Oh. Good old Swanky Lee. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. But we, we appreciate every review, so get him into Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can't write stuff on Spotify, sadly, but give us a, a review anyway. But it's been nice, isn't it, mate? We've had loads of people jumping on the potty lately. And it's if this is your first one, welcome. Yeah, if this is your first one, this is basically what it is. Iconic banter. Yeah. Ripping the piss out of Fred's body. <laughs> Laugh, laughing at renders. Assuming that Luke sent his own emails in. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much yeah, it's this, is what, this is what we do. This is what we do every week. <laughs> <laughs> it's our thing. <laughs> Oh, well, if you had a good, a good uh, bag, if you had a good episode, guys, what what emoji would you give this episode? Blimey, um, this is, what exciting chat! You both just went. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really use emojis, emojis, mate. The pray, no. what are you praying for? Pray, pray we get more listeners. No, no. We get more fake emails. <laughs> more, more, more <laughs> More serious <laughs> stuff. More serious stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, mate. Uh, I'd do the thumbs up or smiley <laughs> face. Nice. Yeah, Stand classically, I'm just a little thumbs up. What, <laughs> nothing, nothing what's yours, Fred? What's what's yours, Fred? Yeah, fire. go on, Fred. We know we fire. fire. We're on fire. Fire. The crane, little construction crane. High five. Thumbs up. Whatever. I don't know. All of oh, it. All of them. Construction crane. Yeah, good option, mate. Good option. <laughs> anyway, guys, let us know what you thought about this episode. Get your comments coming in. Get your reviews coming in. Click that five-star button. We'd absolutely love that. Uh, the email address, in case I haven't said it enough, is podcast at the b1m.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>